1: hello everybody welcome back to the nba front office show happy friday and happy start to the trade season apparently around the nba because we've got lots of rumors to dive into i'm trevor lane you can find me on twitter at trevor underscore lane joined by keith smith at keith smith nba keith is this just the nba worried about the amount of attention the world cup is going to draw so they're saying oh yeah let's throw a few trade rumors out here into the market make sure everybody pays attention to hoops
2: i don't know that that's driving it but i'm sure they're not upset about it, it they, they love to stay in the news cycle so yeah it's a it de- definitely a, a couple of these are like playing the hits right it's like mm-hmm. oh well, we're, well it must be that time of year that these <laughs> couple of these guys are in trade rumors and uh you know but it's it's you know it, it's trade trade season's just about here it's a you know to be clear it's Teams can make a lot of trades right now, but uh, guys who signed over the summer, uh, most of them not eligible to be traded until December fifteenth. So we're we're almost there. So we're we're starting to get a lot of the rumors starting to bubble.
1: Well, let's start with the guy that is just perpetually in trade talks. I, <laughs> you and I both don't quite understand why, but John Collins yeah. trade chatter. Once again, the it feels like the Hawks have been trying to trade John Collins for years now. And here we are. He's one of the first names to pop up again on the market. What's going on in Atlanta? Yeah,
2: my guess is the Hawks are looking at this as John Collins is their best path to getting really a lot better. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're not using him. Quite quite a bit they they are He's really turned into kind of a spot Up shooter occasional lob guy and That's really it he doesn't get any Touches other than that um now You know that they have another mouth to Feed with Dejounte Murray um They still obviously Trey Young Has a very high usage and DeAndre Hunter has been eating up some of the on-ball Reps eventually boy uh Bogdan Bogdanovich, rather, uh, will be back. And he's also another guy who's going to need shots and touches. So it's just a little bit messy right now in Atlanta. And I'm guessing they're looking at it and saying – well, we got DeAndre Hunter. He can kind of play the four. If we could go get ourselves another wing, you know, that could work. Or somebody who just fits a little bit better, you know, maybe another defender to throw in the mix. So why not use John Collins and his big salary is kind of, kind of the trade bait. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is year I don't know, whatever number. It's certainly the life of you and I doing this show together. John Collins has been in trade rumors every year.
1: He's been in the league for six years, so I'd imagine it's year six? <laughs> yeah, probably. Somewhere in that range,
2: right?
0: <laughs> um, is at least what it feels like.
1: This season, he is shooting a career low 23% from three. That's obviously going to be a factor when you've got a team that has Trey Young. When you've got Dejounte Murray, you want to have shooting around them. And John Collins hasn't been able to, to do that, though. For his career, he's a much better three-point career-wise. He's 37% from three, mm-hmm. so you'd have to imagine there will be some progression to the mean coming there um when i look at his contract though i mean this is this is pretty hefty here you've got 23.5 million this season 25.3 million the following season 26.6 essentially the season after that then a player option in 2025 2026 for 26.6 million uh i don't like there's that's going to be cause for concern for some teams that like to have their cap sheets clean how big of a factor is that contract going to be, in the fact that it runs for potentially another three years past this one?
2: Yeah, tricky, right? You, you need to believe in John Collins as being a core uh, piece if you're going to, you know, extend a trade offer that brings in that kind of money on your books. Now he just turned 25 right before the start of this season, so you know he's got should be. Fine throughout the life of this contract Um, You you mentioned the shooting Being down I think the shooting is Down some because he's just in no rhythm Right he just doesn't see consistent shots And touches so it's hard to find That shooting rhythm for him But I think overall with with that Contract if you're going to make that kind of Trade teams are going to have to say "All right, yeah he can be a big part Of what we're doing we're going to lock him in as our Starting four and we're going to move forward With that And, and I think I think that's fine. You know, I have no issue with that. I like John Collins. He's one of the better rebounders in the game. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's a lot more scoring potential there than what some other teams do. But if you're basically saying, you know, hey, we're going to trade for him, yeah, you got to believe he can be your probably your number three, you know, on that kind of money. Um, even with the cap going up, that's still, you know, a good chunk of change. Mm-hmm. And that's why, presumably, uh, from the reporting from Sham Sharani of The Athletic, the Suns are, they like, it, very, very weird uh, sentence was, the Suns like John Collins, but they don't like his contract, so it's not clear if they'll do something. So that's, like, yeah. uh, you can't like a player and not want to, like, you can't have interest in the player, but not, you know, have interest because of his contract. This is, you know, you can't rework contracts. That's not how this works, uh, you know, in the NBA.
1: Well, the Suns, though, are are a somewhat unique situation where they're going to be sold at some point. Sure. And so there's questions about whether or not whoever becomes the owner of the team will want that kind of long term salary. You know, when, yeah, it's, it, it's just like whenever you know you get a new manager or whatever at your job, first thing they do is they go and they start changing a bunch of stuff. You know, like a Chris Trager giving Ron Swanson the circular desk. Um, they that's a concern for a new owner coming in. That oh my gosh, I've got this big long term contract that I can't really do anything with. And it, I'm kind of stuck with the status quo. People want to come in and make changes and put their own touches on things. So the sun situation can be a drawback too in terms of taking on that contract. Doesn't mean they don't like John Collins, but they just don't know if they're if they're capable of taking on a long term deal like that.
2: Yeah, I've always thought that that feels like an excuse to to me is you know what is so you know. We all keep continually making the Bob Iger joke with the Suns. Is he is he only going to lead an investment group that will pay you know uh, three point five billion instead of uh, you know three point six billion? Like is that going to be what happens here? Is it going to be like nope, got to knock money off because you have John Collins on the books for a hundred million? Like right. I mean. You know that always just felt a little, little odd to me. But I get it. It's 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 as dumb as I think it is. It is a real thing. and it, it happens. You know all the time in these situations where it is like, yeah, do do yeah, you know do the other thing is do they even have the green light? Because what if this sale drags out? You know, months and months or a year even or something like that. Do they even have the green light to add likely salary there? Then you also get into the also important. Where does the salary match come in? What does that look like? You know, yeah. how are you going to make that work? So that's that's where it also gets a little bit tricky. But you know, I, I my guess is if the Suns could get past the long term money, they'd make it work. Uh, with, with this, and it's this was kind of thrown in not as an aside because it became the the bulk of that piece from Shams, but it was thrown into some reporting around Jay Crowder, who would presumably be part of any trade that delivered Phoenix uh, John Collins.
1: Right. Yeah. And let, let's just go ahead and talk about jay crowder and we'll stick with the Suns here so uh the bucks and now maybe the hawks potentially teams where he could land now we've been there was something that came out the other day that you know the Suns are are like re-engaging getting closer to doing a move with jay crowder and a lot of that has to do with cam johnson his injury status um the hawks we kind of just talked about in terms of what you know what their interest in in crowder would be if it's a john collins move then of course crowder's contract could be involved there uh the bucks thoughts on on them targeting him that to me, that feels like a very, not the same player, but a P.J. Tucker-esque move for the Milwaukee Bucks if they're able to work something out there.
2: Yeah, that's exactly. Sorry, I was dealing with a uh, playful puppy this (laughs) morning. He really wanted to get get involved in the show. Um, I was walking around with two toys in his mouth right now, so he really (laughs) wants to play. Um, (laughs) The uh, yeah, Jay Crowder. Yeah, it's exactly what it'd be. It'd be their new version of PJ Tucker, and and you know a little bit bigger than PJ Tucker, probably not quite as stout. um, You know, in the post, but can defend on the perimeter a little bit more. I, I think too they really haven't had that kind of player since they lost Tucker. They they don't have another uh, defensive minded forward. Who's kind of a, you know, generally a pretty good spot up shooter. Crowder is pretty, pretty streaky guy from behind the arc. But my guess is that that is kind of where the bucks want to go with this. And for the Hawks, this is what I was kind of alluding to before is we've got DeAndre Hunter is kind of this, you know, uh, versatile forward who can defend both, you know, kind of positions. We feel good. We add another guy like that. Now, all of a sudden we've, you know, added a little bit more defensive versatility. So that makes sense. Why both of these teams would be in on Crowder for the box. It almost kind of has to be Grayson Allen in a trade. Mm-hmm. Um, If they're going to get Crowder, cause that that's your, your big salary match. There was, there were very, um, credible rumors of uh, Grayson Allen and George Hill potentially for Jay Crowder, but that, that really never went anywhere. Um, And I kind of get that from the sun side. I don't see what that does for them. Uh, Those those two guys, you, you, you don't really need to add two more guards uh, to that mix in Phoenix. So, that's why I, you know I think maybe a three-team trade could could work here with either one of these teams, but 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 we'll see you know where this one goes. But I I you know it was weird. We we got all these reports like just a couple of days ago that like teams are closing in on Jay Crowder mm-hmm. trades, and you know Jay Crowder is out there you know, tweeting or I guess it was Instagramming, uh, you know, weird clock emojis, which I didn't fully get that one. Is but that the new uh,
1: version I, of the eyeball emoji. I, I guess.
2: I guess. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's like it's you know, time's ticking down. He did as like one of those weird like mantle clocks though. <laughs> like so it was like like I don't know, maybe he's going back in time or he's going like he's redoing his house or something he likes <laughs> antiques, but I, I I don't know. It, it was a little little a little weird to me, but yeah, I mean that's this time of year when you know a guy's on the block and he starts tweeting or posting weird emojis we, we have to all you know, look for deeper meaning into all of it
1: jay crowder is just saying that whenever he's traded that whoever trades for him is going to get a reinvigorated version of himself and he'll be like a 25 year old jay crowder again
2: nice there he goes yeah or, or he's like or, or he's like like saying like hey I'm, I'm ready to be on the clock and go to work oh that could be it too that right? could be it yeah. too that's what he used where- to tweet. Regularly was with the Celtics, he would tweet, uh, you know, the, in all caps with a ton of exclamation points about the game and, you know, you know, effort and all this stuff. And then it always ended with it all started in the driveway.
1: It all started in the drive. Okay. I like yeah. that. You kind of like, like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. To put on your hard hat and, you know, remember where you came from and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I, I think he needs to uh, tweet out the, uh, what's the, the Flintstones where they've got the little whistle that they pull. <laughs> there think? it is. Yeah. You can, you can do something like it's that.
2: Slide slide down the back of a dinosaur. That's And right. then people will be like, wait, is he going to the Raptors? Is oh, you're right. Means? That's what that would turn into. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh.
1: Um, all right. Let's stick with, with the sons. Uh, they are not just looking at John Collins could be looking at some players on the wing that have a lower price tag. And that's uh, a result of, as I said before, the the Cam Johnson injury, obviously the situation with Jay Crowder, they could use some help with the wing. So they're looking at Kyle Kuzma, KJ Martin, Harrison Barnes, all these targets make sense. And mm-hmm. I, I, I do wonder if it just becomes a, the Suns are looking for whatever wing they can get on the best price tag. And and then they go from there. Wings are not the easiest thing to acquire in today's NBA, but if you are looking to get one, these are all fine targets in my mind.
2: Yeah, especially bigger wings like yeah. these guys are. Right, where these guys are are true three fours, and that's what they really need. Because right now, since uh, uh, Cam Johnson went down, they've been running with Tory Craig, and Craig's really more of a two than he is a three. Uh, well. He's let, let me rephrase that. He's more of a two three than he is a four, and he's been kind of playing the four. I know Mikhail Bridges can definitely put, play the four and handle, handle some guys here, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I KJ Martin one is interesting. Remember, all the way back before the season started, he asked for a trade from mm-hmm. the Rockets, and that what, it was very quiet because it's like. Get cool, it's KJ Martin. Like, why are we? You know, no, no one's gonna make a big deal about it. But that was because the Rockets had added Tari Eason, and they had a whole bunch of forwards in the mix. And I think he was like, "Am I gonna play?" Well, he's been playing a lot for them. Um, but that one was out there. And then Kuzma and Barnes are both uh, pending unrestricted free agents. Barnes' contract is expiring. Kuzma has a player option, which he's yeah. absolutely gonna decline because yeah. it's only for 13 million. So that gets a little tricky. Those ones are. Kuzma would become weird for me for the Suns if you went for him over Collins because you don't want Collins' contract. when You're probably going to have to turn around and hand Kuzma, a contract that looks a lot like Collins does. But um, just strictly basketball-wise, yeah, all three of these guys would make sense for Phoenix. I think all three of them would be really good fits uh, for the Suns, both for this season and long term. And I wonder if Phoenix is maybe looking at the rest of the West and saying, hey, you know what? Uh, our, our window maybe isn't quite as closing as people thought. Let's make sure we push in and go. And, and they've got a couple contracts with Crowder, Dario Saric. That's about $20 million in expiring salary uh, that you could move if you're Phoenix relatively easy.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform
1: Agreed. With the reigning champs, the Golden State Warriors sitting at six and nine right now, mm-hmm. which is not nice, and having their their issues, the West looks more wide open than we were projecting coming into the season. And here's the Sun sitting in second place right now, mm-hmm. uh, half a game behind the the shocking Portland Trailblazers who are sitting in the one seed. But Phoenix once again has the best point differential in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. And look, they had the best record in the NBA last season. Yep. They flamed out come playoff time. They you know that terrible Game Seven and. They, they, they slinked away, but you can make an argument, a very strong argument that this is the best team in the West still. And so, yeah, they, mm-hmm. have, they have every incentive to go out there, make a move, figure out a way to make themselves better and give themselves another shot come playoff time to be the team that comes out of the West here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. They've been doing all this without Chris Paul, uh, mm-hmm. over the last week plus, uh, two. So that's, that's also, I think encouraging, uh, for them obviously without Cam Johnson. Um, so they're, they're just kind of, kind of do, doing what they do. And yeah, to your point, people are definitely going to say, uh, I don't know, can we trust them after last year's, you know, play, playoff mess. And clearly whatever happened in that game seven to Dallas was a disaster, uh, performance by, by them. But I'm not going to write them off because they had one, you know, super messy game. Now, if they had come out this year, they were kind of uneven and didn't look very good. Then you start to look and say, all right, you know, how much longer are we going to drag Chris Paul out here? What are we sure. going to do? But they've, they've kind of come right back out and gotten right back into it. And yeah, in the West, you look at it and it's like, all right, well, who are the real challengers? If you, you know, start looking at the different teams, Denver certainly, I would say uh, probably Memphis. I, I think Memphis, you know, assuming they eventually do get healthy, you know, has a chance to be really good. We'll see if Dallas. I mean, they, they got to find a way to get some help uh, for Luca. Just uh, otherwise, he's going to be exhausted by the time they hit the playoffs. And then I don't want to write out Golden State, you know, right no. off Golden State just yet. I think the Clippers. Let's see. You know, let's let's see if Kawhi can make it you know a handful of games here without uh, having to miss another month of action but it's definitely you know right there for phoenix i i I would put them if not at the top of that group you know firmly in that mix with three or four of those teams
1: yeah i mean you look at the west and you've got the sixth seed is one game back of the Mm -hmm. number one seed like it's very it's going to be a very tight race throughout the west this season which maybe gives the suns even more incentive to go out there and try to get something done. You know, when I look at at Phoenix too, not to stay on them for for too long here, but when I look at Phoenix, I go back to the conversation you and I had after opening night for for the Suns when they had their comeback win against the Mavs when it looked like the Mavs were in cruise control and everybody went, oh my gosh, here we go again. Mm -hmm. They got blown out by the Mavs in game seven. And now they're starting off this season with a blowout loss. And they kind of gritted their teeth and fought back and got the win and we talked about how much that was going to matter just in terms of mentally overcoming that hurdle this season and i do think that that momentum is now carrying them and now they're they they've got their confidence back after mm-hmm. what happened last season
2: yeah i completely agree i i think i think they're you know just as locked in as they have been the last couple of years and you know would not surprise me at all if phoenix was back in the finals again especially if they are able to make a make a move to shore up the four position and uh, they can make that move and keep cam johnson because a presumably he'll eventually be back now all of a sudden you've added some depth they didn't expect to have and and, and when you're sitting again on Crowder, Shammett, or Crowder and Sarge, and you could throw Landry Shaman in there, that gets you to almost $30 million in matching salary in a trade, which is, that basically is we can do anything we need to matching salary-wise. They'd have to plus it up with picks probably to get mm-hmm. a really good player, but we can do what we need to do without getting rid of a current rotation player, and that's always you know, huge to, for a team to be able to pull off.
1: All right, let's jump over to the New York Knicks, currently sitting in the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, again, all, all, most of the stuff we're talking about today, trade-wise, is coming from the, the piece by, by Shams um, Sean Strania. Sean's saying that the Knicks are willing to deal Derek Rose and Emmanuel quickly uh, both reserve guards for the Knicks currently. The Knicks just picked up a win over the Denver Nuggets the other night, although that was a Jokic-less Nuggets squad that night. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on the Knicks? What are they trying to do here by moving one or potentially both of their backup guards?
2: Yeah, I, my guess is this is just about, hey, if we can rebalance our roster a little bit, maybe get – you know something else in there a, a wing with a little bit more Size in exchange for these guys And clear up the log jam in our Backcourt we talked about it I think It was in our last show about how they've dropped Evan Fournier and Quentin Grimes uh, From the rotation the, mm-hmm. those two guys aren't Playing right now uh, you know And Tom Thibodeau basically said yeah I had to Cut the rotation down and We kind of laughed because Grimes Was was a holdup right in the, the Mitchell trade reportedly they Didn't want to trade him and we've heard at various times they didn't really want to move a manual quickly but now here we are Of hey maybe we'll trade a manual quickly derrick rose that a little surprising because he's played fairly well for them mm-hmm. over the last couple of years but my guess is they're looking at and saying hey that's our Again, our best piece, maybe you put him and Fournier together and now you yo, here we are where we're at about 30 million in matching salary to go get whatever it is we may need to get that we feel like can flesh out our roster a little bit better. So my I think the Knicks are pretty prime for a trade. I'd be very surprised if we don't see something get done uh, between now and the trade deadline with them, just with the players, with that glut in the backcourt, but I, I would not trade Emmanuel quickly. I, I think Emmanuel quickly is a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I actually really like him um, there, but I kind of get it. I mean, they're, they're sitting on a team right now that plays uh, three small guards, all, you know, quite a bit of minutes in Brunson, Rose and quickly. And they all struggle to play together just because you're, you're giving up a ton of size in the backcourt if you do that, if you play those three together.
1: So the, what does this suggest about the Knicks' decision-making over the summer? If you've got players that they were reluctant to put into a Donovan Mitchell trade who now, a couple months later, they are suddenly willing to trade, is that just a lack of conviction? Is this the appropriate time to pivot and, and, and have this kind of analysis of your roster? What, what do we take from that?
2: Yeah, I wonder if this was maybe a way for the Knicks to be like, hey, we're not that high on the price we would have had to pay for Donovan Mitchell in order to put him in 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 our roster the way it is right now, because remember, they had already the Brunson deal was done yeah. by that point. So it was if they didn't love Brunson and Mitchell together, which you would have had to have been sold that that can be our backcourt for the next you know five years or so um, to, to make a trade like that with the investment you would have had to put in because it would have been. You know, it's not like it was Grimes or Quickly or both in that day because it was going to be multiple picks and sure. everything else. They would have had his hand. I wonder if it's almost their way of saying, like, well, we really don't want to part with these guys. But the underlying message is, eh, we just don't love the fit of Donovan Mitchell for the cost we would have to pay to go get him. Yeah, if you could get him for next to nothing, of course, they would have jumped all over. And, and it, that that would have been very hard to come out and immediate, you know, say um, very directly because – True. Knicks fans wanted Donovan Mitchell so badly. This is a way, hey, we're going to pump up our own guys a little bit, uh, show our commitment to these guys, get people really thinking like, hey, these, these guys are special. We think they can be something. And the side bonuses we pump up their own trade value a little bit too, because that's, hey, we wouldn't put them in a Mitchell trade. So if you want them now, if you turn around and trade a manual quickly for like two second round picks or something, then you deserve every, every bit of criticism you get coming your way. But I, I think they're just looking at their roster right now and saying, yeah, we need to balance this thing out. We need a little bit more size on the bat, in the backcourt, on the wing, um, just to, to get to where we want to be.
1: All right. We started the show with a name that is, well, perpetually on the trade market and in John Collins. Let's finish with another one. Tobias <laughs> Harris, the 76ers, once again, discussing Tobias Shocking. Harris deals. You know, I don't recall who this was who put it out there on Twitter, which is, by the way, still standing at the moment. Um, yeah. But uh, they, they, it was a 76ers reporter who said, you know, the this isn't necessarily the, the 76ers just trying to get rid of Tobias Harris. It's just the logistics of you're operating under a hard cap. And he takes There's up a Derek Bodner. Okay, it was yep. Bond. Yeah, the Daily yeah,
2: but, Six. Yeah, he's an independent uh, cover of the Sixers used to work for the Athletic. But yeah, okay. I saw the same tweet.
1: I'm yep. glad you remembered who, who that was so we can give credit there. Um, he said, look, this is just the reality of operating under the hard cap and he takes up a big chunk of change. So if you're, if you're going to try to make any kind of a trade, it's just natural that it's going to lead you down that path towards Tobias Harris.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thirty-seven point six million dollars this year. Again, I just you know talked about a couple teams. Getting to that thirty million mark lets you kind of do almost whatever you need to do. Well, Philly's right there with one guy. Now I don't think Philly is – this is not a let's just move him to move him mm-hmm. type situation by any means. But I think this is Philly saying, hey, again, if we can get something we think fits our roster better, uh, maybe another on-ball creator because with James Harden out, that that really falls to Tyrese Maxey to do almost all of that. Um, if we could get another guy who can do a little something on ball, then Tobias Harris might be the conduit to that. The challenge is – 37.6 million this year, 39.3 million next year. That's a big number. The team acquiring him, either Philly's going to have to eat some money coming back their way. Um, or the team's going to have to really believe like, all right, Tobias Harris is there because remember Philly can't just start throwing in a bunch of picks into a trade that gets them mm-hmm. something either. Cause they don't really have those picks to do that with anymore. So it's, it's, this is a little bit more difficult than, than it looks, but you know, I think, Derek Bodnar said that you, you, you know, agreement with it. I'll, you know, chime in. And third, it is, this is what, what you do. This is, you know, he's the fourth option on that team and he makes a ton of money. He's your best path forward. If you're going to do something really impactful trade wise and never count out Darryl Morey, right. He's always doing something, Um, you know, and he's, he's willing to take those big swings. So I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not ready to start. You know, firing up trade machine ideas for Tobias Harris, but I'm also not going to be surprised if uh, you know, invariably, I'm on my way to do school pickup in the next month here, and we get a Tobias Harris has been traded tweet. Maybe if Twitter still exists, we we get a tweet. Uh, I, I don't know, or whatever has come along to replace it. I don't know, Instagram notification from Woj or something. I, I
1: don't oh know God. What that's gonna. That look would like. be such a mess. <laughs> right? Instagram is a nightmare for what for what we do. It's just it's not chronological. But this <laughs> will take us down a whole different rabbit hole. Yeah. But- yeah. It's not around. Come on, it's
2: not messing around with it. And
1: for real, it be what it is. Yes, for real. Um, so, fifteen points per game right now for Tobias Harris, six point two boards, three assists, uh, shooting forty percent from three.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I mean, look, he's he's playing well. This this isn't like a, he's playing poorly. We've got to move this guy. But I understand if they're going to make some kind of significant change, you kind of have to uh, turn towards a Tobias Harris trade. So let let me ask you this, Keith. Um, Tobias Harris on his contract or John Collins on his contract what would you rather have on your on your roster if you're an NBA team? John
2: Collins, he, he's younger. I think he's more plug-and-play. I think he's a better defensive player, better on the boards. I think Harris, the challenges, you look at those numbers, those are pretty good, but they're not really scalable because you put him in a prime role where he becomes your one or two, and now the efficiency is going to drop. It's it's not going to go to where I think you want it to go to. Um, where Collins, I think there's still some upside in there. You get him back to the guy he was the last couple of years, you start to feel pretty good about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, fair point. Tobias Harris, 30 years old. That, uh, that's got to matter in teams thinking. Mm-hmm. Of course, a little bit shorter term contract than uh, than Collins has. But, and, and you know, what's interesting with this, though, is that there's wings on the market in general that we're hearing, you know, the Suns are looking at and Kuzma and K.J. Martin and Barnes and John Collins and Tobias Harris. You know, it's not every season that you see wing players pop up. Typically, NBA teams like to hoard them as much as possible. So if anything, I know this is, you may be going a step too far, but it's got me a little bit more optimistic that we're going to see more movement this year by the trade deadline. Because, again, I'm, we're starting to see names pop up and wing players in particular that I don't know if you would in a, a typical season.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I also think too. Keep in mind, you've got San Antonio and Indiana both sitting out there with about thirty million in cap space yeah. each. That. They've got to use a big chunk of it uh, Before the end of the year Otherwise they're going to pay out money to their guys it's Again, not the worst thing in the world Oklahoma City ended up doing that last year uh, We've seen a couple teams do that in the past But I think you know, We're in a spot where um, They're going to get involved in some of this stuff Whether it's you know, just as the Hey, we're the third team in to help Grease the wheels here a little bit, but but we're, we're we're gonna get movement. I I don't think this is gonna be one of those you know necessarily massive blockbuster off seasons. Yeah, but I do think what also helps just the last reason why I think we'll get some movement. It's pretty wide open right now. The league is looks there's a lot of teams I think that think they they can win. Yeah, Boston and Milwaukee have raced off to pretty good starts, but they're not like yo so far ahead of everybody else that it's like, well, cancel the rest of the year by any means. They're, they're, they're both leading the pack right now, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of teams that they still believe, Hey, you know, let's do the right, right move here and we, we can win. So uh, we're, we're going to get movement for sure.
1: Okay. Last, last story. I would be remiss if we didn't mention this one. Kyrie Irving. Sounds like mm-hmm. he is most likely going to be back in action on Sunday. The Brooklyn Nets just picked up a win over the the one seed in the Western Conference, the the Portland Trailblazers, they got a 109, 107 win. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kyrie Irving potentially back in action. Is this this is kind of the Nets have got to make a push now, right? I mean, they're seven and nine right now. They've got an opportunity to still to get this thing back and rolling again, but you got to get Kyrie back in the fold. You got to get past all of the stuff and just get back to to basketball here.
2: Yeah, you have got Ben Simmons coming off his Best game mm-hmm. of the year by far He looked looked pretty good, so yeah Get Kyrie back, you know, start really Making your push into being a playoff Team, and then you you start to figure out Alright, what do we need to do roster-wise For ourselves the rest of the year Or you get Kyrie back and Simmons doesn't end up good and something else Happens, and then you can make another Decision roster-wise of, alright, we're going to Move in a completely different direction But it's, yeah, it's we're, we're right on that Tipping point for the Nets, it's either going to start to go really well um by all accounts you know we can only trust what the nets are telling us is that kyrie's been doing what they asked him to do i would love to see some like well what does that mean you know show us that but you know hey if they're they're good with it then they're good with it that's not for for the rest of us i guess to really Mm -hmm. you know uh, worry about too much i mean but i tend to think if you were public in your misdeed Let's be public in what you did to make up for that, too, just so we can, can see it. But if everybody is, is good with it that, that needs to be, then, you know, so be it. And on we go. But, yeah, I mean, if this is what we said. It looked like probably after the West Coast trip, they'll be back at home uh, on uh, Sunday against the Grizzlies. And all of a sudden, a Sunday you know, uh, evening game that has a lot of interest that maybe wouldn't sure. have been there otherwise. A couple, you know. It should be a fun game, anyway. You got John Morant and in, in Brooklyn, so you know. But but definitely, but we'll all be kind of checking in to see. All right, Kyrie's back. What does it look like?
1: Could you imagine? I mean, we just the other day dusted off the Kevin Cannon. If we have to start bringing out the Simmons siren again, <laughs> again.
2: <laughs> right? Yeah, man. we talk about we talk about playing the hits, right? We said we're playing the hits with some trade rumors. We'll go. That's back right. To, we'll go back to the gags. We we love them.
1: That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, everybody, that's it for today. Thank you all for joining us. Make sure you do subscribe to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Don't forget to check us out over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts as well. Have a fantastic weekend. When we're back, the World Cup will have started. Let's go. See ya, and stay safe.
0: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.